Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. What is uh, tied around your neck? You got anything tied around your neck right now? I mean, maybe you already have a necktie on. Um, Maybe you're wearing a necklace. Maybe um, a set of dog tags. Maybe there's a cross you never take off. What is tied around your neck right now? And, And then second question, do you have a tattoo? If so, I don't need to know where it is, but um, what does it say? And what does it communicate? Like, if you have a tattoo, why? What is written deep within your heart? If I could read your heart like a letter today, what would it say? So those are the questions that um, are provoked when we consider today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Consider what's tied around your neck. Consider what is... Uh, tattooed upon your body. Consider what is written deep within your heart. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor both with God and people and earn a good reputation. So what are you wearing uh, around your neck and on your heart and on your skin today as you walk out into the world that God so loves? Um, a good reputation, both with God and other people, is um, is what's at issue here in this particular passage of Scripture. And we recognize that we live ultimately before an audience of one, but God sends us out into the world as um people who are called and cultivated to be a a living witness, a physical manifestation, a demonstration, a provisional demonstration of the kingdom of heaven in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. Like we are his ambassadors. And ambassadors don't, you know, go out to make a name for themselves. They go out to make the name of their sovereign great. And so, is what's tied around your neck today or what is tattooed upon your skin or what is written deep within your heart, is it there to not only remind you but broadcast to others who God is, your sovereign, the one whom you are here to represent to the world? Certainly, we live before an audience of one and we are loyal to him, but we live among a very wide audience of people to whom God really does want to communicate and reveal himself. We've got an audience at home and an audience at work and an audience um, on the street and an audience on social media, uh, an audience in the world. If you've ever texted or sent me an email, by those communications, you have cultivated for yourself a reputation. You have a reputation with me. 
what I say here every morning and the manner in which I say it, by those things, I have cultivated a reputation with you. By what you say about me to others creates a reputation with them. And so on and so on and so on. And so what are you wearing around your neck? And why? And what does it communicate? And what is tattooed upon your skin? And what does it say? And what does it communicate? There's a text and a subtext. And beneath every subtext, there is that which is written upon our hearts. And other people are going to read it today. Our friend Daryl Crouch is going to join us um, here. And we're, we're going to talk about just the, the temperature in the world today. Um, there is... Uh, I mean, I'm reading a headline from Axios that says existential threats to humanity are soaring. Um, and and there it's everything from, you know, it's the hottest month uh, on record to um, technology and uh, threats to, you know, global existence to the threat of, of China and Russia and nuclear war, um, on and on and on and on and on. Uh, the bottom line, they say, is Humanity has a decent track record of pulling itself back from the brink, but we are closer to the brink, uh, you know, in many ways than ever before. Are we really, like, are we really closer to the brink? And if so, how can we live as um, people of goodness and gladness? How can we remain people of faith and hope and love when everything around us appears to be, well, going in a very negative direction? So our friend Daryl Crouch is going to join us from Everyone's Wilson, and we're going to talk about um, having lunch on Omaha Beach. What does it look like to turn lost ground into a place of gladness? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Daryl Crouch, uh, are you actually inside or are we still walking dogs this morning? Yeah, Carmen, we're still walking the dog this morning. It's beautiful. I mean, I lo- it, it is, is beautiful. so it's beautiful stunning. outside. I know. So, so the walk yeah. from my front door to um, to the radio shack, the proverbial she shed from which I do this show every morning, it's not very far. I mean, you know, it might be, it. Uh, mm, I don't know, it's 150 feet, 50 paces, yeah. something like that. Um, and but it's it's delightful. And this morning, I was thinking to myself, "Wow, I wish I could stay outside." It's uh, suddenly um, suddenly one of those mornings where you want to be outside. So we're so glad to be outside walking the dog. What is the dog's name? Willow is her name. She's a little Willow. Uh, sixty pound Aussie doodle. Oh, she's she's a big girl. All right. Yeah, wow, she's she she put on a little weight this summer. Yeah. That's it. That's all. I should probably go walking with Willow, and we should both work on that. So let's uh, let's talk about um, your experience of being on Omaha Beach. And um, and for those of you who aren't subscribed to Daryl's Substack, let me invite you to do that because that's where you can um, you can find this particular piece. Let's meet for lunch on Omaha Beach, turning lost ground into a place of gladness. Could you just take us there? That's that's what you do here. Um, in, in this particular piece, could you just take us to your experience of being at Omaha Beach? Sure. And it's a moving experience for anybody who's been there. Certainly the cemeteries there at Normandy, um, the entire environment there is um, incredibly powerful. Um, just knowing what happened there almost 80 years ago as Allied forces invaded, you know, uh, 
France uh, not to occupy her, but to liberate her from the Nazi, um, the Nazi uh, empire, and that was uh oh, and and so I think the um, the reality that so many people who I did not know and would never know me uh, would sacrifice their lives so that so that we we could have freedom. And so sitting there, we were with a, a group, a student leadership group, actually Student Leadership University. It's a wonderful organization my daughter's a part of. And so we're sitting there eating a baguette um, on the beach and, and watching families uh, enjoy themselves just like they would on just about any beach in the world. And I thought, what did it, what did it take? What did it take for us to be here? And um, so it was just a moving, a moving experience and uh, a reminder that the ground that looks lost uh, or that is lost doesn't have to be forever lost. And um, sometimes I think, as your, your um, tee up earlier, um, we can get the impression that, that all the ground that, that looks so bleak today culturally spiritually socially uh, relationally perhaps there's people listening that they've uh you know their their family dynamics are not what they would like for them to be um all is not lost that looks lost and so it was just a moving experience uh watching kids play on a beach that a few years ago men died on um so yeah, that's where that's coming from. Um, I, I appreciate. Um, I, I always appreciate the pictures, the word pictures that you draw for us. So I'm gonna um, I'm gonna read a little from from your piece. As I sat on a stone beach wall eating my baguette uh, and watching so many people enjoy themselves, I was reminded that hope still happens. That all uh, is not lost and doesn't have to be lost forever. Uh, the ground that's been lost can be reclaimed and restored. And um, you guys, if you want to read the entirety of it and you want me to just uh, shoot you the link, you can text me at 877-933-2484, and I'll do that. Um, Daryl goes on to lay out these six marks of those who arrived um, on Omaha Beach some 80 years ago now. Um, they were willing to go first. They, they had a bigger-than-self worldview. They took a long view of success. They had an unrelenting determination um, for victory and a preparation for maximum impact. They had a support network that sustains service. And I'll add to that, they, they had a willingness. They had a willingness to, um, to pay it all um, yeah. in order that that beach might one day not be saturated with, um, with death and blood, but be a place where... Uh, Daryl witnessed little kids taking their first steps in the sand and people frolicking at the water's edge um, and families picnicking. And so all that might look lost um, around you today uh, is, is not ultimately lost. And you can look in the mirror and say, you know what, all is not lost because I am one who has been found. Your own life experience of redemption is a witness and testimony that that which was once lost 
can and has been redeemed. We're going to continue Amen. our conversation with Daryl Crouch here in just a minute. We're going to we're going to talk about the um, the upcoming school year. For some, it is fast approaching. I mean, really fast. For others, you still have like a month to go. We're a little jealous of you, um, but we're going to talk about church and school. We're going to talk about um, what it looks like for uh, us as Christians in our local communities to help everybody be ready uh, as a um, as a reflection of what's happening um, with Daryl and the organization that he serves, Everyone's Wilson. So we've got some stories to tell you about the impact that you can have as a Christian in your own local community, particularly as schools start back this fall. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, This is a community of believers, and we gather together here and We all need prayer, and, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com, and then be assured of our prayers for you in the Spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. Talking with our friend Daryl Crouch, who's out for a walk with Willow uh, this morning. Um, who are you walking with this morning? We hope that um, you are not only walking with the Lord, but want to thank you for taking a walk with us as well. We seek here to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day. And um, Nikki just texted in. So first of all, good morning, Nikki. Thank you so much for being here with us and taking us with you, whatever you're up to um, this morning. You can... You can text in as well, 877-933-2484. Daryl, you you walked on the ground that uh, Nikki's grandpa was a part of the first wave to take back. Wow, what an honor. Just so grateful for his his sacrifice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so uh, Nikki's grandpa um, came home. Um, He he survived um, the experience of of that... uh, tremendous treacherous uh, day and so we're thankful for um for him and for now the legacy that lives through him in uh, in the person of nikki so nikki thank you so much for um for sharing that with us it's so precious we're um, so grateful we're so grateful we're so grateful um, yeah i i was telling uh these friends uh, a couple of days ago daryl i um, I flew home from uh, a family wedding in Pennsylvania, and sitting next to me on the airplane was this, I mean, fresh out of high school um, young man who was headed right then with this, you know, tiny little Ziploc bag of uh, of all the possessions he was allowed to bring with him. He's on his way to, mm-hmm. um, you know, basic training for Marine boot camp. Wow. Yeah. And I know, right? And I'm, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, holy God, protect him and bless him. <laughs> Um, and you know, so he's in the midst now of that of that thirteen week experience, and I have him, you know, on my heart and mind as we have these kinds of conversations today. Um, let's let's talk about um, this priority of everyone's Wilson that everybody would be ready. So everyone ready is the emphasis or focus upon kids and kids across our community and how it is that 
school provides a way for them to become ready in many, many ways. Um, So can you tell us about the everyone ready priority and then um, help us understand how we might walk out that kind of faith in our own community? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm honored to do that. We, um, we just know that just about every uh, uh, child in our community will attend uh, a public or private school. Uh, there's homeschool co-ops as well. But for the overwhelming majority of our neighbors, uh, they're going to be in, in a public school uh, for 12 years. And we know that what happens in that school and what happens in their educational journey is uh, very important to their well-being and to the well-being of the community at large. We, we believe that the spiritual transformation of, of our neighbors are, is absolutely fundamental to everything we do, but we don't think that spiritual transformation is the end of it. And it's not always the beginning of it. Um, sometimes it's through other pathways that we have gospel conversations and we see spiritual transformation. And so to come beside our schools is a, um, is, is a priority because we, we really do believe that the gospel um, calls us to care about people at every level. And so... Uh, for students to graduate ready to live the life that God created them to live is is really important to us. And so, and to fulfill the calling that God has put on their life. And so, this educational journey is really important. So, we we like to say it this way, that we want to wrap around every school so that every student, every educator, and every family in our community can thrive, can really live the life that they were created to live. And so we believe that's possible when we flood our schools with Jesus-loving um, volunteers who will invest in students, who invest in teachers, who will connect with their families, who will be a presence of prayer and support and encouragement. And uh, so, so we help them academically. We help them in mentoring relationships. We love on teachers. We volunteer at events. We make ourselves present um, so that we can have the opportunity to, uh, to help them take their next step in life and take their next step with Jesus. Mm, that's so good. It's um, a wonderful, it, it, yeah, it is. It's a wonderful yeah. opportunity for us locally to live as missionaries. Yeah, and, and this is such a... Um, tangible, maybe maybe obvious um, way to serve. I mean, kids need academic help, but kids also need that person who is just going to come alongside them and, you know, put a proverbial, you know, arm around their shoulder and say, hey, let me let me show you. Let me show you where I walk and how I walk. Um, And the encouragement to teachers is is huge. Um, Help for special events, um, uh, you know, going and going and reading for an hour a week. Like, you know, it, it, there are some very, very simple things that you can do to give a classroom teacher an hour of peace and respite. Um, she's she's still in there with you. It's almost always a she. 
Um, but, you know, but you are actually taking the attention of those little ones um, away for a long enough period of time that, you know, she can do whatever she's got to do to get ready for the next thing. Um, well, I'm going to make yeah. a, a, a very public appeal right now. If you've got um, if you've got a heart for this, like now is the time to reach out to your local school and say, I'm I would like to help. What do you need? Don't don't assume that you know what they need. Start by saying, what do you need and how can I help? Um, that's the way the Everyone's Wilson conversation actually got started um, in, yeah. in their community. Yeah, it really is about relationships, Carmen. And uh, every problem that we have is a relationship problem, uh, separation between us and God, us and each other, us and ourselves, and so on. And so um, sometimes we think of schools as projects when they're really people uh, who who need love and encouragement and and personal investment. And so um, anybody that's interested can reach out to us. We've uh, created a model that we think we can help other communities do similar work. And so we'd, we'd love that, that opportunity as well. All right. You can do that at everyoneswilson.org. Everyone's, plural, Wilson, that's the county, dot O-R-G. Daryl, as always, um, thank you so much. Uh, give Little Willow a, a, a scratch behind the ears as you uh, continue your walk this morning. Hey, y'all are awesome, and congratulations on some new, new cities and markets to uh, to get to. And uh, yeah, welcome, all, welcome to Missouri, doing. right? Yeah, yeah, so you're, great. You're at, yeah, if the you're if you're me. in the Missouri, this is yeah, the show me state. I don't know if I've been to Missouri lately, so we should awesome. we should like we should go. It's next. I mean, it's kind of next door. I know. I know. I mean, we're there now, right? We're we're there right this minute. <laughs> we're there. So we're there now. We're walking around in Missouri right now. We just uh, we just can't see it with our own eyes. All right, if you've got eyes on the ground uh, in Missouri, we'd love to um, just hear from you. You can send us a text eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. That's Daryl Crouch. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Okay, uh, it has happened. It has happened. What might that it be? Um, Well, if you're paying attention, then you know that yesterday is the day that's going to stand alone in 250 years of American history. Um, It has happened. The president of the United States, former president of the United States, um, has been indicted. Criminal charges. Um, So... A federal grand jury yesterday criminally indicted former President Donald Trump over his efforts to uh, challenge the 2020 presidential election results. Uh, it does not include specific charges related to January 6th, and yet you can you can feel and hear the January 6th event in in all of it. So it's a 45-page indictment. You you should read it. I would encourage you. I mean, it's it, it, you should read it. Um, it is, uh, it's, it's called a talking, uh, or speaking indictment. So it is a narrative, um, and that makes it easier to read and understand, um, what uh, the former president is being charged with. There are four counts, conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding, and conspiracy against rights. And that conspiracy against rights is a civil rights charge. Those when you see the word conspiracy listed, that implies what? Well, it necessitates the existence of co-conspirators. And so you might be asking yourself, well, then who else was indicted? If he's being charged with conspiracy, then there must be co-conspirators. Well, there are six described in the indictment, but they are unnamed. 
They are described, uh, four of them are described as attorneys. One is described as a Justice Department official, and, um, and the sixth is described as a political consultant. They have not yet been charged, um, although one or more of them will be, because in order to make a conspiracy charge stick against one, you must, uh, you must prove that there are co-conspirators. So um, there's a lot of confidence this morning uh, about who the four attorneys are and who the Justice Department official is. So the four attorneys referenced, um, Judy, Rudy Giuliani, I mean, they're, they're not referenced by name, but what is said in the indictment about them is so clearly points to them that we can, we can assume that we know who they are. All right, so Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, Sidney Powell, and uh, Kenneth Cheesebro. The unnamed Justice Department official is almost certainly Jeffrey Clark, and the political consultant is, um, is a little harder to identify. That one's a little more vague. So these six people, um, they certainly know who they are, right? Uh, and five of the six, we know who they are. And each of them now faces a very difficult decision. They are going to face criminal prosecution um, along with the former president. Um, but they have a choice to make in terms of um, how they participate in that process. And so I want you to imagine that they and their families are faced with a very difficult decision today um, and in the days to come. And we should be praying for them. Among other details, the uh, indictment recounts uh, the former president's alleged attempts to pressure then-Vice President Mike Pence um, to overturn the election results. It also includes um, how the former president and uh, his alleged co-conspirators organized fraudulent, fraudulent electors in seven states, including Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, uh, or Nevada, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Um, the former president is due in federal court tomorrow, and so let's be uh, praying for peace uh, at, uh, on the courthouse steps and around um, that federal uh, facility in Washington, D.C. Um, the president, the former president, is also facing 40 felony, felony counts um, in, in the Mar-a-Lago documents case uh, and, um, and separate uh, grand jury investigation um, in Fulton County, Georgia. A, de- uh, a decision related to that is expected later this month or in early September. And so there's, it's a, um, it's a somber and sober day in the United States of America. Um, never before in our 250-year, almost 250-year history have, have we been in this particular circumstance. And so we want to um, be lifting up our country uh, before the Lord our God. Mark Terman is going to join us next. He's the executive director of the Denison Forum. We're going um, to talk about um, sort of where we are right now in our, in our nation's history, in our um, spiritual life. Are we in a spiritual recession? Or is this the darkness before the dawn of revival? Or maybe both. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Mark Terman is joining us now. He's the executive director of the Denison Forum. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Great to be with you, Carmen. <laughs> it's great to have you with us. Let's talk about spiritual recession. What 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 is a spiritual recession, 
What does it look like um, for a, a people to experience God's judgment? And is that is that what we're in the midst of? Well, uh, I think it's possible uh, that we're in that le- in that season. A recession, generally, we hear the word tossed around economically all the time. And Dr. Dennison wrote on this recently. A recession is a a time of stepping back or a downturn in uh, typically financial markets and financial performance of the economy. And I think it's interesting that he used this analogy. We have so many people, so many smart people in our country looking at our economy and trying to predict, are we getting better? Are we getting worse? Are, you know, uh, interest rates going down? Are we going to expect seeing uh, some kind of uh, growth in the economy that might mean that I get a raise, for instance, or that prices go down. We have people talking about that uh, at great lengths uh, every single day, trying to figure out which way is our uh, financial and economic interest going. Dr. Dennison raises the good point. We need to be thinking about that spiritually more than we think about it economically. Where are we going personally? Where are we going congregationally? Where are we going collectively as a country, because there are many, many signs that would clearly indicate, uh, as Dr. Dennison has written previously, that we are under the general uh, uh, judgment of God, because God has said every one of our actions has a consequence. And so when we sin, there is going to be the consequence of, uh, of his general judgment upon those actions. And at times, there can be and increase what is sometimes called God's punitive judgment because of a stubborn pattern of rejecting and ignoring God. And we may be in some of that. We may be moving toward more of that uh, because of our stubborn rejection of God and his will for our lives and for our country. So when we pivot to what's the path forward, how do we uh, how do we make the change that is necessary? There are those, Mark, who, you know, who say, you know, it's going to take these massive wholesale changes. And so, you know, we got to we got to start this massive thing and we got to do these. And yet, um, in reality, it it all begins with each one of us taking one small step in a different direction. And so can you talk about that? I mean, I I love this quote. We're going to have Russell Moore on um, here in in a little less than an hour, um, and we're going to be talking about his new book. I know you recently talked with him on your podcast. Um, There's a quote in this particular uh, daily article, and and it says, according to Dr. Moore, this path forward starts not with manifestos and strategic roadmaps, but with small-scale decisions to reawaken the awe of God, evangelicals proclaim. Um, this this change comes first person by person, then congregation by congregation. And I, I would say, you know, even before it comes person by person, it comes by each person making a decision to take one small step in a different direction. Oh, absolutely. And yes, I love that quote by Dr. Moore. And it just reminds me of something I heard very early in my Christian life when I was a teenager. My pastor Reference the uh, the great evangelist Gypsy Smith, who said, when somebody asked him, when is revival going to come? What is it going to start with? He said, well, if you'll go home, get a piece of chalk, draw a circle on the ground, get inside the circle and submit everything inside that circle to God, then revival will be among us. It starts personally because 
uh, as we've heard many, many times, human words cannot change human hearts. The Spirit of God can. And so we have to ask God, God, would you change my heart first? Would you work in my life and show me where I am not in alignment with your love and with your will? And Lord, let revival, let renewal for uh, my generation, let it start with me. And if it starts with me and if it starts with others, then God can bring those people together and he can change uh, the direction not only of a family, he can change the direction of a church or community, even a whole country or generation. He's done that in the past. We see examples of that both in biblical history and in the history since the time of the Bible. Um, God wants to do that. He longs for that, that uh, call that he makes to us every day. Will you walk with me in faith and love and trust? And then will you use your influence? Will you let your witness show others that there is a different and better way to live as you walk in accordance with God and his spirit? And that's where it starts. And we have to start with, God, is there anything in my life right now that you want me to repent of, that you want me to turn away from, something you want me to turn toward that I've been ignoring? God, is there anything like that today, this moment? I appreciate the um, the three encouragements in, in the Daily Article related to this. Seek God with personal passion. Use your influence for Jesus and repent of self-reliance and embrace hope in Christ. Um, I think that that repent of self-reliance could be repent of self and then fill in the blank. Um, I mean, I just think that the self-focus that we have today instead of the God focus, you know, we, we operate out of our personal perspective and our own viewpoint and our own um, desire to have a particular reputation or be a part of a particular group or seen in a particular way instead of, you know, having all of that focused on God's reputation, God's name, God's fame, God's agenda, God's view. Um, and so I, I think that that pivot is is a really is the necessary one. And that's the pivot of repentance. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's like uh, Rick Warren wrote about in his popular book, It's Not About You. It's about God. It's about Christ. And it's not that God's on some kind of an ego trip. It's that when God uh, becomes the person who is at the center of our attention and knowing him, Jesus said in John 17, 3, that eternal life, the best life, the beautiful life that we all long for is in knowing him and in knowing his father, that that's what life at its best is really all about. What could be greater than to know God as creator, as father, as redeemer, and to know him in the person of his son. That's where the greatest thing is. But we have, we have bought into this idea of hyper-individualism and that, that each of us believes that we are the center of the universe rather than God being the center of all things. And we've grown up, you know, there's a lot about being uh, raised in this country, uh, this idea of being responsible for yourself and pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. There's an element of that which is good, but it becomes this idea of, well, I'm the most important thing, and I can make it on my own, and I will be the one that that everyone needs to uh, stop and pay attention to. We've become so hyper-individualized rather than focused on Christ and focused on serving each other because of the way that God has loved us. Mm. 
So good. All right. You're listening to Mark Terman. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. Let me ask you a question. Um, What do you believe in? In whom do you believe? Do you believe in God? Do you also believe in the reality of the devil? Do you believe in the reality of heaven and the reality of hell? How about how about angels? And does it how much does it matter what you believe? And how does that belief lead you to worship? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Have you ever wondered where God is when you feel like you need him most? Do you recognize that he's closer than your next breath? Are you confident in that? Do you trust in that? Susie Larson has a brand new book, Closer Than Your Next Breath, Where Is God When You Need Him Most? And we're giving away 100 copies of it this month. So we want you to win yours at MyFaithRadio.com. I want to encourage you right now that there is nothing like living in the fullness of the presence of God moment by moment. No matter what is going on, you can live as a person who is content in the presence of God. God is literally with you always, closer than your next breath. And we want you to experience that. So grab a copy of Closer Than Your Next Breath. You can sign up to win one at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation with Mark Terman from the Denison Forum. You can find Mark and what he's writing about, what he's thinking about at denisonforum.org. Lots of great links there to conversations um, that I would encourage you to be thinking about and engaging in. Mark, um, I am aware that uh, that just, was it two days ago now, Lori Vallow Daybell, um, who took the lives of her two children and conspired in the taking of, of other lives as well, um, she's been sentenced to life without parole. Um, and, and this sentencing phase was this reminder of this completely crazy belief system that she had developed over the course of time that resulted in her her seeming to continue to believe that her children had become zombies and that taking their lives was um, was the best thing that she could do. Um, and and she continued to sort of maintain that um, in in her sentencing um, uh, hearing just the other day. And she says nobody was murdered in this case. Uh, she clearly took their lives. And um, and so this confusion about life and death, this confusion about the spirit world, this confusion about, you know, what we believe and why it matters. This was just one of those cases where I'm like, I could just point to this and say it actually does believe what or it actually does matter what you believe. It it matters whether or not you believe in the God of the Bible or whether or not you believe in some other spiritual force as your uh, as your guiding influence. Yeah, it's, it's, number one, it's a terribly uh, disturbing story and just it's heartbreaking to read uh, about this whole uh, event. Uh, I thought, but to your point, I thought it was very insightful what the judge in this case, Judge Stephen Boyce, said to her during the sentencing phase. Uh, part of what he said was something radically changed in you that led you to where you are today. And mm. that. That is an, exp- an explanation and an insight into the power of our beliefs, what we, what we think deep in our soul. Uh, I believe that belief drives behavior ultimately, and that we have to be really, really cognizant and really, really careful about how we do believe and what we believe in. And that's why 
the, the call of Christ to trust in him is the best and greatest and safest thing that we can do, not only for ourselves, but also for those around us. And it's just absolutely heartbreaking that this woman could become so self-deceived and to then become so evil in her actions, taking the lives of at least three people. And even in the final uh, expression of her trial, being utterly unrepentant, which uh, if you watch some of the reports on this, you can see just how astounded both the judge and other people are that she could continue to hold to this depth of deception uh, about what she had done and why she had done it. Just, it's just uh, astounding to see how, uh, how dark uh, the human soul can become. She also um, testifies uh, that, you know, that she has and is speaking to her dead children. Um, I think that when we talk about um, beliefs, the range of beliefs that people have today, and the things that Christians flirt with, this is actually one of them. The idea that um, a dead relative might talk to us, um, that, is, that is a false hope. And, and that, is, that, that is a belief in error. And yet it's one that because we want to be kind to people who are grieving, we don't speak up about very often. No, and, and I understand why. I've had this question a number of times as I pastor churches for 35 years. There's such a deep emotional connection and such profound grief when we lose somebody that we love that uh, our hearts are longing to be connected to them and to, to continue to have that ongoing relationship. I think we all get that. We all understand that. Uh, and our lives are often so deeply woven together that emotionally uh, we have some sense of this person is still with me, uh, and certainly our memories are there. But the Bible teaches us very clearly that once a person dies, once a person passes away, we cannot have additional interaction with them until we die. We see this in the life of David when his child died. He said, uh, that child will not come back to me. I will go to them. And Jesus made this very clear in his teaching when uh, he told this story, which some interpret not as a parable, but as uh, uh, an actual event where a man dies and uh, goes to heaven and another man who knew him dies and goes to hell and, and wants to have a conversation with his uh, former uh, connection. They weren't friends, but former connection. And God says to him, there is a great chasm and you cannot pass from here to there. You cannot connect to each other uh, if you have chosen these destinations because of your beliefs. Uh, so emotionally, there's a lot driving this, but spiritually, the Bible makes very clear that we can only talk to each other here in this earth until we are gathered together in heaven. And that means that our relationship with Christ becomes paramount, because it is, as Jesus said, only through him that we can be in heaven with him and with others in a, a relationship of joy and eternal life that is beyond our imagination. That's so good. Mark, as always, um, thank you so very much for joining us today. I want to leave you um, with this as you're listening. When the judge um, says, to, uh, says to this defendant, something radically changed in you that led you to where you are today, um, that is a statement 
that that's a statement of judgment and that is a statement of judgment that we it's a it's a hinge that swings both directions um and so ultimately when you and I stand before the judge in judgment um what will have radically changed in you that will have led you to where you are on that day um because there's a repentance opportunity right now for you. Um, If you know you need a radical change of life, um, and in order that when you stand before the judgment seat of God, you stand there under uh, under the grace provided in Jesus. If, If you know you need that covering, if you know you stand today in need of a radical life change that would lead you to be able to stand not in fear before the judge, but in peace and with gratitude and filled with hope, um, we want to invite you to repent. That's what repentance means. It means turning around, turning away from the things, the path that leads to destruction, and turning toward the Father and His love. Um, And then step by step to walk all the way home to the Father's house where, yeah, then we can all be together. Um, and and what a what a great joy that will be, Mark. As always, thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Yesterday morning, a 54 year old uh, grandmother put her 14 month old grandchild uh, in the car seat, in the back seat, and then you know she got her things together for work. She got in the car and she drove to work. She didn't drive, uh, she didn't, she didn't drive to um, daycare where she was supposed to drop off her grandchild. She worked her eight hours. She got back in her car. She drove to daycare to pick her grandchild up only then to look in the back seat. Um, I cannot imagine what that woman is experiencing, nor can I imagine what the parents of that precious child um, are experiencing, nor can I imagine what grief that family now bears. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know, other than Christ, how you even breathe in the midst of that. So whatever you're facing today, let's be lifting up and praying for those who are facing unimaginable grief today, Um, even for things that are their own responsibility and have happened at their own hand. Whatever weight you're carrying today, I'm going to encourage you to cast it upon Jesus because he cares for you. we got another hour together next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.